Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Nurse Leader Network. I'm your host, Chris Racinos, and today we are in for a treat. We have Courtney Lamb, the founder of A Budget Nurse, with us today. Courtney's going to talk to us a little bit about how she founded The Budget Nurse and steps that you can take in terms of your budget. And so let's just sit here and think about that for a minute. How many of you came out of school with some student debt? And so for those of you who didn't, uh, good job. But there's a bunch of us, myself included, I know that have. Um, and that student debt was probably really significant. I sit there and look at all of the things that I can't buy because I'm paying down my student loans every month. And, you know, I really sometimes want to be able to buy that those really cute shoes. And we have student loans. And so I brought Courtney on today so she could kind of talk to us about what um, budgeting as a nurse leader might look like. We're, we do it great in the hospitals. And so now what does it mean for ourselves? So welcome, Courtney. Hello. Thank you for having me today. So why don't we just kind of jump into your journey? Tell us a little bit about how you founded The Budget Nurse, what went into it, and why'd you start it? Okay, so I started The Budget Nurse after, you know, sitting down looking at my personal financial situation, and I was literally $300,000 in consumer debt. That's not even included in a mortgage, because at the time, we couldn't even qualify one because of all of the debt. So I personally knew that I needed to take some steps to actually change the situation because debt, as we know, it is a hindrance. Um, so after sitting down and analyzing all of the debt that we had, I wanted to figure out a way to pay down this debt. And I have created a successful plan. Uh, so far, I've paid off $96,000 in consumer debt, and that was done in 18 months. Wow. Uh, that is amazing. And um, are you and your husband like, millionaires or like, do you guys have extra money or maybe like a really rich parent that helped you pay down that debt? It's great that you say that. We're actually not. We're just normal <laughs> uh, <laughs> Americans who have, you know, a normal two, ho two household income. Uh, we just had a lot of debt. We just mastered accumulating consumer debt from car loans to credit cards to personal loans to student loans. We had all types of debt. Okay. So when you're when you're in a mountain of debt, where do you even start? Especially for those that maybe are starting off as brand new nurses. So let's say we just graduated nursing school, looking to maybe get into leadership, or we've been in nursing for a while, but we decided to get another degree and have some more debt, or you know things just happen, layoffs, um, life. Where do you even start when you're just facing that amount of debt? You just have to figure out your why. Uh, it's so important to know why you want to get out of a situation. Um, that why is what's going to drive you for the momentum you need to get from under so much of debt. For me, my why was my family. I wanted to be able to have a little bit more flexibility in my life. I wanted to be able to spend time and see my children grow, um, spend time with my husband. And that was my why. So at that point, I knew that I was not going to accumulate any more debt. Um, I wanted to stop using credit cards. I wasn't taking out any more loans. Um, if I decided to go back to school, I was going to have to figure out a way to pay for that cash. I wasn't going to take on any more debt at all. What do you think got you to that point? Because I know a lot of us sit back and are thinking like, you know, I kind of know my why. I know I don't want to work until I'm, you know, 90. Um, but what what was a turning point for you? Can you talk to me a little bit about that like aha moment? Yes, that aha moment for me was two years ago. 
Um, I'm actually from Columbus, Georgia, and I moved to Los Angeles, California. Um, I left my oldest son with his father in Atlanta, and that was the point that I knew I needed to make a change. And the reason that I came to to California, as we know, as nurses, is one of the highest paying states. Um, when I moved from Georgia to California, it actually tripled my income. And I wanted to take that money and actually use it to pay off this debt so that I can have be able to live in a more comfortable place back in Georgia. Okay. That makes a whole lot of sense. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of it. I mean, we we start off by realizing that there's probably something different that we want in terms of our finances, or even if our finances are kind of good, we might still have credit cards and um, other things that we're paying down. I think a big one I think about is our car payments. So, you know, car payments are not cheap. I know, especially here in Los Angeles, car payments can be anywhere from like 300 to over a thousand dollars. So what are, what are, you know, what's the framework? What does it look like if we want to get a hold of our budget? Um, so I have sat down and I've created 10 critical steps that will help you get out of debt fast. And it's really a lifestyle change. Um, we have to get to a place of being content uh, with where we're at, which means that these fancy cars that we're driving, we may have to let them go. I was one of those people. I drew my dream car, a Porsche Macan. I drove that car and I loved it. But when I wanted to make this change, I knew that was something that I no longer could um, have. So I moved down in car. I did a lot of things. And that's what I will outline in these 10 critical steps. Great. Well, so what's step one? Okay. So the first step is actually just facing debt. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but as Americans, we owe $1.5 trillion in student loan debt. We also owe another $1.6 in credit card debt. Those numbers are, they're astronomical. Um, We have to, as people, just sit down, write out all of the the consumer debt that we have as a starting point. And that's actually facing it. Looking at that that amount, that amount for me was $307,000. That was life-changing, just actually facing debt. From there, it's very important to be on the same page with your partner. Um, If you're a married person, that means being on the same page with your spouse, your husband, or your wife. It's very hard to accomplish a household goal if two people are working in two totally different directions. Uh, For me and my husband, that looked like us sitting down over dinner, talking about our finances, creating a goal that we wanted to get out of the situation that we were in. Uh, We no longer were going to use credit cards. We cut them up. Um, And that was was very important is being on the same page with the person that you're you're in this with. Now, I do. I want to say if you're not married, I don't recommend uh, combining any finances. You know, this is do not leave those separate. Okay, so if you're dating, if you're dating somebody, you're saying keep your accounts separate. Yes, that is my personal recommendation. You don't want to start uh, putting together money where you don't have that foundation of the marriage. You you break up. What are you going to do? Or you go, you know, you go your separate ways. It's very hard to start separating those things when you are not married. Okay, so what would you do to get people on the same page? And then I have a question about, you know, I was thinking about who else you might need to get on the same page with, because I can see my husband and I totally being on the same page, but because we splurge like at holidays or we host 100% of the events, that there's a lot of other people that might need to understand we're on this journey too. That is so true. 
for us, we were travelers. We loved to travel and being that our families in Georgia, we would go there frequently. We had to set that expectation with everybody. Hey, we are on a plan to get out of debt. We want to be able to purchase a house. We want to be able to send our kids to college. So we're no longer going to be able to host these events anymore. It's very important to let everybody around you that it may affect, let them know your plan. And for those who respect your plan, that means a lot. And that even is for your kids too as well. My oldest son, he always is talking about, is that in the budget? Is that in the budget? <laughs> so, you know, it's very important to let your kids know also what's going on when, you, when you're on this journey because you're, you're changing your lifestyle. Yeah. I, it was so funny because I, I just started talking about this concept to my kids like not even two weeks ago. And um, we were at an amusement park this weekend and uh, my son came up to me and was like, mom, can we go to the gift shop? And I said, you know, son, we should probably really think about what the purchases that we want to make and, you know, where we could probably apply that money better. And so then my next son tells him, ask mom if we can go to the gift shop. And that son looks at my other son and says, hey, we're on a financial diet. We can't go to the gift shop. And this is a nine and a 12 year old. So it's kind of funny to hear them use the language after, you know, just like one conversation, they know that we have a goal and, you know, what it's going to take from each of us in terms of sacrificing to meet that goal. So it's kind of cute. Uh, it, it It is. My oldest son is the same exact way. He's like, oh, we can't do that. Or is this in the budget? So it, it's and it also sets that foundation for your kids, because the whole purpose of going on this journey is to transform or change future generations. And it starts from when they're kids setting these uh, foundational things around finances, letting them know what a budget is, letting them know what money is, um, letting them know to stay away from credit cards and student loans, because those things will hinder us for decades and we don't even realize it. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, I see all kinds of articles and it talks about how we should include like finance 101 in high schools. And why I agree with that, I, there's also the flip side of it, which is if we did a better job of modeling it, or even if we do a great job with our finances, if we're not sharing how we're getting to those goals with our kids, it's a huge disservice for them. And so I agree. All right. So let's say we've we've done that. We are on the same page. We've given all of our family and friends kind of a notice of what our intentions are and where we're going to go. What do we what's the next step? We must vow to not use credit again. If you want to get out of a mess, you have to stop the behavior um, that looks like cutting up your credit cards. Um, those mailers that we get all the time, throwing those away, the emailers that we get from the bank. Don't let that temptation come in and allow you to go back into the situation. So just make a, a note to you and your spouse that we're not going to use any credit again. No more car loans. Don't take on any additional credit. What if um, what if I'm scared to cut my credit cards up because there might be an emergency? Uh, in that case, put those credit cards I recommend maybe in a drawer and you need to have a starter emergency fund. That's the very first things. And that can be a, a super small amount, $1,000, uh, something that if emergency does pop up, you can then take care of it. And emergencies, as Americans, we think um, emergency is, oh, I'm out of X, Y, Z. Let me run to the store and get it. That's not a true emergency. So you need to also understand what is a need versus a want. And that's another driving factor in this entire process. Tell me a little bit about how we assess a need versus a want. 
So when we're talking about a need, you need this to to stay alive, to be functional. That's maybe food, your electricity, um, something that you you need to to use in your daily life. A want is those pair of shoes at the store. A want is maybe new sheets for your bed. A want is going to the amusement park. Those are wants. It's not anything that you need to stay alive. And that's what we have to start differentiating in our daily spending needs and wants. Yeah. I would say that since we live in Southern California, for some folks that live in Orange County, um, going to Disneyland might actually be a need for them. (laughs) (laughs) I have a bunch of Disney fan friends that would say that was definitely a need. Um, But I think that speaks to... Also, when you're planning out your budget, um, you know, it is really important to to, to um, make sure that you do have something carved out to still enjoy your time in life. Right. So there's not you might not be spending um, every penny you have on enjoyment, but there should be, I think, some spend on um, entertainment or fun, if you will. I don't know. What do you think about that? And that's actually the next step is actually creating a zero based budget. And you definitely can uh, include in their date night, um, taking the kids to the movies, uh, taking the kids. Um, maybe it might be to Disney for their birthday or some uh, special event. So you definitely should put some money into there for um, having fun. Like for us, our fun amount looks like $200 a month. We have become accustomed in living in this wonderful state. There's so many things that you can do for free here that we don't even we take for granted because we have all of these amusement parks and other things for us to spend our money on. So for me, a weekend of fun with my kids may look like going down to the beach uh, with a lunch that I prepared at home is a great way to get out of the house. Or we may check out some of the state parks, but finding things that you can do for fun that are free. And um, another thing that is our friend is Groupon especially for women. I use that all the time for a nice mani petty that I can get for $35 or, you know, eyebrow wax and I can get for $10. So I, I use Groupon to take care of like self-care things. We just have to get out of the habit of spending all of our money for fun. And that's what we do with the credit cards and living above our means. So tell me more about zero-based budgeting. What does that look like? How do we, what do we do? How do we do it? So a zero-based budget is basically your income minus your expenses equals zero. So each month you want to basically take your money that's coming into your house and all of it should have a name, a place that it's going to go. At the end of the month, your goal is to have zero. So that means after you pay your rent, your utilities, you buy groceries, you pay your car note, um, your cell phone, your student loans, uh, whatever extra money that you have left, that should be going to debt. It should have a purpose. We tend to, when we see, when we know we have an extra thousand dollars, we tend to just spend each and every day until that thousand dollars is gone. But when you sit down and do a zero-based budget at the beginning of the month, you're telling your money where to go, and you're no longer wondering where the money went. So, what if you? What about for those folks that don't have any debt right now? What, what would they do with that remaining amount of their money? Have a purpose for it. Are you saving for something? Are you investing your 15% of your uh, income for retirement? If you, um, you know, you're doing all those things, your next goal should be to pay your house off. Why do we need to have a mortgage for 30 years where we're paying double the amount of the house? Use that money, have it uh, allocated to pay. Hey, I'm going to send an extra note to my my mortgage this month. How would it feel uh, to pay that house off in maybe 10 to 12 years versus 30 years? You have 
now you have another 15 years where you can take your money and invest it. You can be able to grow your money, um, create that retirement or the life that you really, truly want to have. So when it comes to zero-based budgeting, like, do we do it on paper? Are there any apps or how do you do yours? How did you start yours? So I actually started mine with a um, Excel spreadsheet. So it was very time consuming. There is one app that I really, really, really love. It's called Every Dollar. It is made by the Ramsey Company. Uh, it allows you to basically go in on your phone or your computer. You can set up all your categories, it's actually pre-filled with a lot of categories that we all use, but you can definitely add to it. And each month, it allows it to transfer over to the next month. So you're not spending as much time doing your budget every month. Um, they do have a service where you can actually link your credit, your actually your checking account to the to the app so that you can take every time that you use your uh, debit card, you can then drop those into the categories and it keeps a running tab. So you know, hey, I only have $500 left for groceries or I only have $30 left at Target. So you can actually see it as the transactions come in. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I like that. Okay. So that was step four. What does step five look like? Uh, Step five is this one is a good one. So using cash for areas that you're weak in. So for me, that was groceries, household household supplies, and self-care. So each paycheck, I would actually go to the ATM and take out um, $200 for groceries or however much money I had allocated. That way I could physically use the cash or something mental that goes on when you actually actually use physical cash. It's more of a tangible thing so that you can then be more conscious of what you're spending your money on in those particular categories. So for some people, that's going to look like your fun money. So if you're only allocating maybe $200 to have fun for the month, actually having physical cash to use for those particular transactions. Once that cash is gone, that's a mental point for you to know that you no longer have any more money to spend in that area. Okay. So what if, for example, um, I have my grocery money and I'm just going to pretend it's $200, which for my family, it's probably like $200 a day because we're a huge family. Yeah. Um, just kidding. But um, <laughs> So let's say like we run out of that money, but like I need milk for my baby or what, is, what do you do then? You can, you can definitely, you know, steal some money from the other area, but that also lets you know for the next month, maybe I need to increase my grocery amount. Or and I can maybe take some money out of my household supply so that I can use it more for groceries. That and it's going to be a very hard um, first three months to kind of get those amounts pinpointed down uh, exactly that you use for your family. But those three months allows you to kind of fluctuate and get the feel and get the groove. By month four and five, it's like you're just selling. You know exactly what you're spending. You got your averages down. So you know you don't have to worry about uh, dipping into this area. But after you get those three months going, you have a better layout and idea of how your budget is going to work each and every day. Okay. And then what about if there's, like, I'm thinking we have this whole budget laid out, everything is going good. And then bam, we have a car issue, a flat tire, or whatever it might be mm-hmm. um, that you didn't budget for. How do you remedy that? And that's when you. it's important before you start this process to have an emergency fund. My emergency fund is very small. It's $1,400. And that would cover maybe a flat tire or an unexpected thing happens to my car. Or if I was in an accident, my deductible, it would cover a true emergency. And I keep my emergency fund small because it makes me it makes me stay laser focused on my goal. I know that I don't have a huge amount of money to fall back on. So I need to stick with the plan that I have laid out. 
how do you grow an emergency fund? Let's say I'm totally in debt and um, my credit cards are maxed out and I'm paying, you know, I'm paying the top that I can basically pay in terms of um, minimum payments. How do you, how does one start to grow their emergency fund if that's the situation that they're in? So that is one of the steps too as well. It's called pick up an extra job, get some extra money coming into your household. Uh, for me, that looks like me picking up a, a moonlight job. Uh, I spend one week a month where I go and I work at a different place and that brings in some extra income. It's all about increasing your income if you want to get out of this situation. So by taking on that extra job, I was able to then start my emergency fund. And then I had some leadway to actually start paying off the debt. So any way that you can find to bring in extra money into your household is going to be extremely important in this process. Okay. What if I don't want another job? What are some other ways that you can think of? Uh, you know, we probably have some listeners that are like, okay, I already have two jobs. I can't do another one. What are some other ways that you could think of that people could earn some extra cash? Side hustle. There's so many things out here for us to do. We can start blogging. We can start podcasting. We may be uh, really good at these little crafty things that we do around the house that you may sell. You look at that as a, a side hustle. Maybe you're a good baker, baking cakes. There's a lot of things that you can do that maybe will not bring you outside of your house, but you can still bring in extra money into your household. Absolutely. I've also heard of folks just going on and having, you know, like basically a huge yard or a state stale. So they look they go through their stuff and things that, you know, maybe aren't super meaningful to them that are is just kind of cluttering up their house. So they it's kind of like a win win there. They have, you know, extra way to bring in some cash and they're decluttering their house. I, I totally agree. That was actually one of the things that I did do. I sold some uh, designer shoes, uh, done that. I've sold some designer purses. I let those go. But uh, for me, it wasn't hard to let them go because I had a bigger purpose. I knew my why. I knew why I was doing this. So any, it actually became momentum and fun to be able to bring in this extra money to actually see this debt decreasing. I can. I mean, I, I totally resonate with that. So, Courtney, tell me about the next step. Um, I know a lot of us out here are driving these fancy cars. And I, like I said in the beginning, I definitely was one of those people I had to get rid of that car. That car was tying up so much of my money. Um, the car note was $1,000. Um, I was paying very high insurance and not to mention the gas. So I was spending out close to $1,500 for a car. There's no way that a person in $300,000 worth of debt should be spending out $1,500 per month on driving a fancy car. So I did uh, get rid of that vehicle and traded down to something that was a little bit more reasonable for me. I drive a Prius, which is a California car. Um, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I fill up twice a month. Um, it was such a great decision. That right there freed up an extra $1,000 for me a month that I was able to to use to pay towards um, debt. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I also saw in a, um, a book that I read that um, you should never buy a brand new car just because they depreciate. So it's wiser to buy like a two-year-old car um, if you're going to look to, if you're looking to get something. That, I have stories for days for that. Um, this is, it was one of the situ- reasons why I'm in the situation I am. I The first car that I got when I graduated from uh, nursing school was a BMW, brand new off the lot. It depreciated uh, 30% when you drive it off the car lot. So it was a horrible decision. And then uh, rolling it over into 
newer cars because we, you know we're Americans. We got to have the newest of the new. Everybody's driving <laughs> a new car, right? So we roll over that negative equity into a new car, and before you know it, you're ten thousand dollars upside down on a car that's only you know it goes all the way down to nine thousand dollars value. So I definitely suggest not buying a brand new car unless you're a millionaire, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then pay pay cash for it. Pay cash for it, yes. <laughs> All right, good. Okay, so we're moving along here. What's the next step? Uh, we kind of just talked about this. It's increasing your income. Uh, women, we are so savvy with creating different ways to bring in money, uh, especially stay-at-home moms. They are amazing. But finding ways to just bring in uh, extra money into the house is going to be extremely important. Like I said, I picked up an extra job. I typically work a 60-hour work week on most weeks. Um, and I don't I won't say I don't mind it, but I know that I have a goal of where I'm trying to get to. And and so far, I feel fantastic for doing it. I've already paid off $96,000. Like, that's great. I feel like I used my time wisely and I got good results from it. Yeah. And I think it's important to think, too, that this is not 60 hours a week until you retire. It's 60 hours a week you know, for maybe another 18 months or whatever it might be in terms of getting out of debt completely and what that liberation must feel like. Um, that is so true. Uh, we just have to remember what the goal is, and it's not forever. Once you get out of the situation, yes, go back to your one job. Or, you know, you might be able to even change your full-time job and create something else that you are really passionate about doing. We just don't know how much debt weighs us down and the decisions that we're able to make to be able to live a happy life. Yeah, that's so true. It's just, it's beyond true. I've seen it so much in so many different people, including nurses and um, friends. So yeah, absolutely. All right. So what's next step? Um, Next, we're going to look at our reoccurring expenses. How many of us have expensive cable packages? And since we're such busy people, we don't even watch cable TV. Um, That's a, a good option of something that you may be able to get rid of. We are now using all of these streaming services. So what do we really need the cable for? Or expensive gym memberships. Maybe you have an expensive gym membership and you haven't even been to the gym recently. Um, I had an extremely a $229 gym membership, which I just went and joined a, a regular gym for $29 and get the same effect that I was getting with my $229 expensive membership. So finding just uh, reoccurring expenses that you have in your, your monthly budget and getting rid of them, eliminating them. It looks like a small amount, but when you say $230 per month, you're almost talking about $3,000 per year. So that's a, that's a big amount. Yeah. I recently um, did a deep dive into my bank accounts and realized I had things that were coming out that, you know, I had tried up for a trial period and didn't cancel it or something that I was using at one time. And now I'm in a different place and I'm not using. And so these things were coming out because I just was so busy and not thinking that things were going to be coming out of my account that I wasn't even aware of. Um, because my mind was off of it. And so I think that's another thing to just sit down and look at what's actually coming out of your account because you might be surprised what you find in there. I know we were. And that's definitely, uh, that's true. Um, I give out lots of recommendations and one of my gave out last week was money tip. Don't forget to cancel um, those free trials. Because like you just said, you, you forget about that it was a free trial. You get billed for it and then you don't even notice it to maybe a year or so later. And that's maybe $30 that was coming out of your account and it was for a service you're not even using. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was a big one. Okay. All right, Courtney. So tell us about step nine. So nine is throwing all of your extra money at your debt. 
Um, when you are doing this, the, you need to use the debt snowball. So what is the debt snowball? That's when you list out all of your debts. We did that in the earlier, in the earlier uh, step one. Uh, make sure that when you list them out, you do them from smallest to largest. You want to start with the smallest balance first. Use all your extra money and send to maybe that $500 store card you have. And then move on to the next um, amount and work your way all the way up until you get to the biggest amount. I'm one of those people that likes to check stuff off my to-do list. So sometimes I actually write things on there that like, I'll, you know, my check, my to-do list is feed the dogs that I know it's going to happen no matter what, but it just feels good to check it off the list. Yes. So, um, so I can see how, even if you're paying off a small debt to start with, how amazing it feels when you're like, okay, that's one down, next one's up. And I actually have a Excel sheet that I still currently use. It has everybody listed on it. And when I started, I had 22 people on this list. And just to be able to go in and highlight that that, that thing was done, it was a good feeling. It's the momentum that you need to have when you uh, to get you to those student loans and maybe $134,000 and you're going to be sitting there for a while. So it feels good to be able to check off things and see the progress that you've made um, to see where you've come from. Yeah. What does your trajectory look like right now? How long do you think it'll take you to finish paying off the rest of your debt? So my goal is to be done by the end of 2021. So we have about 211000 left to go. And so I'm looking at 2021. And hopefully that's a, the, the goal that I'm aiming towards. Oh, such a good feeling to know that everything will be done in that short amount of time. We're sitting here talking, it's February of 2020 right now. So that's, uh, I mean, that's life-changing, right? And that's something that I, in my own mind is not something that would be accomplishable. So I can see how, how empowering that is. And, you know, I thought it was not possible, but by sitting down and doing these things, it made it, it, it showed me that it was possible. I needed to sacrifice now to get to this goal. And, you know, I'm not hard on myself. If, you know, if it takes me an extra six months to do it, that's fine. I'm just glad that I was able to do this in four years versus being in my fifties or 20 years from now, still having all of this debt hanging over me. So by sitting down and doing these things, it actually will show you that you can, you can attain this. It's not as unrealistic as you think it may be. It may be painful in this moment because, yeah, we can't go out to eat every single day anymore. It may be painful in this instance, but knowing that you can get through it, 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 it feels amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So bring us home. What's the 10th step? It's tracking your progress. Uh, it kind of ties into the last step. Looking at each month I post on my social media where I'm at in my, my journey. Post Those posts are so powerful because I can look back and say, last month I was here. This month I paid off $9,000. That tracking your progress is going to give you uh, the momentum that you need to continue on in the process. So each month, just looking at the balances, um, subtracting them, knowing what's remaining is very important. That's awesome. So the process sounds fabulous. I can't imagine why we wouldn't want to do it. The one thing I can think of is, you know, we talk about kind of downsizing or living frugally and, you know, that might have a negative connotation. Like I don't really want to give up my style of life right now. Um, what do you have to say about, you know, changing that mindset? How can we do it? And how can we really just, you know, be on the same page with where our heart is, which is we want to be out of debt? Um, that all has to do with contentment um, and knowing your why. So your why has to be stronger than the situation that you're in. You have to have a bigger purpose. 
Also, it's important to surround yourself with people who are doing the same things. So that means you may have to move away from your your friends that go out to eat every night or every week. And you may have to surround yourself with other people who are doing the same thing or going through the same thing that you're doing. So that's what I've created or I'm creating is a community of people who are working towards the same goals, who are sharing their, their wins with each other. Being around those people gives you that um, gives you that feeling that there's other people struggling with you as well. And you're not the only person that's going through this and you see other people are sacrificing doing it. That is a community that you need to be around to get through this type of situation. Yeah, I love it. It's just, it's so funny because I see how so many nurse leaders do so well when it comes to budgeting in their professional roles. And then we still struggle when it comes to personal roles for a variety of reasons. And so I think. Um, our episode today is just going to kind of knock it home and give people hope that might not have had hope in terms of their situation, their financial situation. I agree. Um, we do as uh, nurse leaders, we, we manage billion dollar budgets, but we can't seem to get a hold of our, our budget that's drastically less than that. So um, using those skills that we have at work and implementing them in our personal life is so important because we, we have so many tools that are given to us that we can actually just use in our personal life and make our situations better. Yeah. I need a CFO. I need to be married to a CFO. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Well, Courtney, if folks want to learn more about the budget nurse um, and be a part of that community or find out more about you, where can they go? Um, you can find me on Instagram at the underscore budget nurse. You also can find me on Facebook at the budget nurse. I'm most active on Facebook. I post daily tips there. Um, I also post um, meal prepping ideas, uh, recipes. We, we're just creating a community there of resources for people to help you get started on the journey. Just some things that I found very helpful over the last two years that keep me going and just creating an atmosphere of other people that are working at the same goals um, so that you can connect with and see what other people are doing and how they're being successful in this process. Thanks, Courtney. You, I believe, have just changed many people's lives today. So I'm so appreciative that you're able to come on the show and share a little bit about your work around budget. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me, Chris. All right. Bye. Bye. 